Welcome to the Darkness Dwells podcast, episode 75. I am Jason White. And I am Michael Schutz. And we are the Darkness Dwells podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Ho, ho, holiday horror. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so how are you doing, Michael? I'm good. Um, it's so cold out right now. Everyone's, how cold is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so cold. I am... I am it's so cold, I can't do the podcast anymore. <laughs> so, I, I'm shivering too much. Yeah. Well, I you, know. You, I'm like, if, if you hear, you, you can't hear my squeaky chair over my chattery teeth today. <laughs> well, you know, um, you're soon, you're heading home for the holidays, correct? I am to uh, the frozen tundra of Wisconsin. It's going to be a lot more colder there. Oh, boy, is it ever. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I yeah, I say that every year around October, November yeah. when I'm thinking of winter that's coming, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm not ready. And then we get the first snowfall, the big one, the first big one and I'm like, you know what? It's not even winter yet and I hate winter. <laughs> I miss the snow a lot. I hate the cold. You know, if it could snow and be like 50 degrees, that would be really nice. Yeah. I uh, I I don't like any of it to be honest with you. The only thing I like is maybe the cooler weather a little bit, but uh, not the cold. Not the cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the break in the summer is always nice. Yeah. Um. So before, oh, as you mentioned, this is our Christmas episode. So uh, before I tell you what's in the store for that, let me tell you guys about our sponsors. Uh, we are very proud to be uh, sponsored by Crystal Lake Publishing. They have been publishing for twelve <laughs> for twelve years since two thousand and twelve. Uh, now they uh, they've been publishing a lot of uh, anthologies, and uh, uh, now they're sort of moving into novels. Uh, they've published the likes within their anthologies of. Uh, uh, people like Clive Barker and Ramsey Campbell, Mark Allen Gunnels and Mercedes Yardley, uh, they are a fantastic and up-and-coming, if not already here, publisher. You should definitely go to www.crystallakepub.com and check out their uh, uh, what they have in store because you can't you can't go wrong with these guys. They're they're a fascinating. They're doing wonderful things, is what I'm trying to say here. And uh, that's one reason why I'm very proud that they're sponsoring us, because they put out really good quality stuff. And they, we're, do. they do. They do. give us lots of guests, too, that we love talking to. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're, we're also proud to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a, uh, it's an online audiobook store. And I highly recommend that you go there because they have over 180,000 titles. That's a lot of books. That pretty much means if, if, if it's available as an audiobook, they'll probably have it. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash darknessdwells and sign up for a free month-long membership. With that mem- uh, month- free month-long membership, you get one free audiobook of your choice. As I said, there's a ton of books to choose from, but I'm going to suggest The Deathbird and other stories. Uh, the Voice from the Edge, sorry, uh, Volume 4, 
I think uh, they're all there, actually. But it's by Harlan Ellison, and it's narrated by Harlan Ellison, Theodore Bickel, and, uh, sorry, Stefan Rudnicki, Rudnicki, and Art Johnson. It's eight hours and one minute long, and it's unabridged. You can't go wrong with uh, with Harlan Ellison. All right. I love Harlan Ellison. Yeah, me too. So, uh, so how's about uh, we take a small break here, and when we come back, uh, we're going to discuss some news items. What do you think, Michael? Excellent. All right. So we will get some, get some cocoa and and marshmallows and come right back. Yes, and don't forget the whipped cream. Oh, yeah. (laughs) S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-W-S. Santa Claus. Alright, so uh, so it being Christmas and all, I thought there would be like hardly any news at all. But uh, as we were joking around last week, you you found uh, quite a quite a few things. Well, there's more than ever. So uh, what what do you have for us this week? Well, we have a little uh, first look at Insidious Four, um, a franchise that I'm really excited about. I think most people are. You know, this is. This is, to me, the epitome of where horror is going. You know, we don't have sequels anymore. You know, watered down and installments. You know, we get full-fledged chapters by you know real forces in in the film industry. You know, get good writers, good directors, and they and they keep coming back. So we've got that Insidious Four coming out, and it's going to be more about um, Elise. Uh, Who's the uh, psychic, the medium that helps out in the family in the first one? Okay, um, played by the great Lynn Shay. Uh, which I wish I knew where I had read this, but somebody called called Lynn Shay the uh, Meryl Streep of horror. <laughs> I love that. I can see that. And yeah, she's in every. It's great. She, he just eats up the screen. Yeah. Um, I'm really uh, interested in what you said about sequels and horror movies and how they've evolved because there is a real evolution there uh, compared to the 80s where I yeah. guess I guess it started well there's been series in horror since the 60s with like Hammer films and Dracula and the Mummy and whatnot but the 80s is where it really picked up um, but you always get you know like with Friday the 13th like you said uh, each sequel was you know it just got worse and worse and worse but these days they you know like you said you have the same directors coming back same actors and uh and the the quality of movies even if you don't like them you have to agree that they're better uh they're better sequels than they used to be yeah it's uh it's a really great it's a really great time i'm glad that they're doing that you know even even just the way that they phrase it you know especially insidious you know it's it's chapter four yeah. You know, it's not some cheesy oh part four. You know, great <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, I'm looking on. I'm looking on iHorror for that. By the way, 
um, and they have some first-look images, uh, not even a trailer out yet. Um, so, yeah, it, it does look really good. That's cool. Uh, yeah, that, that, that do you know when that's coming out? I don't know if you mentioned that. Oh, you know what? I just closed my tab, but oh. I don't... I. <laughs> I want to say that they don't know yet. Okay. So I'm just going to go with that. They don't know yet. <laughs> to be determined. Okay. Uh, so what else do you got? I don't know if I mentioned this again uh, before. But talking about remakes and, and reboots, like we like to do, Suspiria is getting a remake, and Chloe Grace Moretz is going to be starring in that one from... Uh, the Carrie remake. Did yeah. I mention this before? You know, I I, rem- I I remember something about that, but I don't know if it was on the show or if it was on the on Facebook Messenger or what. But you know what? It's well, worth talking I'll about again. For me. <laughs> no, I, I, it's worth talking about again because I have mixed feelings about them remaking that movie. Uh, first of all, anytime I hear about uh, people remaking uh, a film that I like or love. I always get excited first because I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But then, you know, sometimes when you've watched it, after you've watched the remake, you're like, that was shit. <laughs> you get all pissed off. <laughs> That's why I always get scared is my first my first reaction. Then, then hope will come in usually. Yeah. <laughs> but the one thing that excites me about this is that uh, Chloe Moretz, uh, what's her name? Chloe... Uh, Chloe Grace. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, even though I couldn't remember her name there, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of hers. <laughs> I think I think she's uh she's a really good actress. Um, yeah, I don't like her. You don't like her? <laughs> <laughs> no, as oh. we as we hearken back to uh, oh. to the are to you the Carrie remake episode? I don't know about are, her. Are you holding a grudge against her because of that movie? I might be. I think so. She's a fantastic actor. But, uh, you know, (laughs) it'll be interesting to see what she does with it because she always chooses these strange roles. And recently she backed out of a whole bunch of, uh, you know, like mainstream movies that she was scheduled to do. She didn't want to, she didn't want to do them. And, uh, and yet she's doing movies like this. That really says something to me. That she uh, she knows what she wants to do, and she's you know sticking to her guns. So it's a project that she believes in, and so I'm I'm pretty sure that you know maybe the movie will be half decent. I mean, you can't re- you can't copy what Suspiria was. Right? So it's 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 exactly. gonna, yeah. So it's going to be something else, and I, I'm going to go in with that mindset and hope that you know I can enjoy it. It's it's so hit or miss, you know. I'll, you know, I'm going to watch it. I'll be right there, and I certainly hope that it's good. You know, I'm going into it with, you know, I'm not going into it wanting to dislike it. You know, so yeah, which I is always so. good. <laughs> yes, um, and in more reboot and everything news. Um, God, and I hope I, you know, I was actually going through my bookmarks to find news, so this might be all. But Angelo Badalamenti is coming back to do all the Twin Peaks. Um, music and score when that starts up in gosh in a few months now. Cool. So that's good news for twin people. Yeah, like Spe- me, like you. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm getting insanely excited for this. Yeah, uh, don't get too excited though, because you never know. It, it, David Lynch is on oh, there, right? 
Yeah, he's directing. He's directing all eighteen episodes. Yeah, I remember. So that, I, yeah. it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be awesome no matter what. I mean, just visual. I'm just such a fan. Yeah. You know, I don't think I can be disappointed. I think David Lynch is insane, but it's in a good way. Definitely, definitely a good insane genius, sad insanity. He's kind of like John Carpenter in the way that he smokes. He's always smoking. Yeah, I love I love those guys that they're they're you know. 60s, 70s now, and they're still puffing away. Gotta admire that. Yeah, like two packs a day. <laughs> I'd be dead by the time I was 50 if I continued smoking, I'm sure. It's just yeah, yeah, I had to I couldn't breathe anymore. I don't know how you can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> you go up two steps, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm never moving again. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a sad truth. <laughs> For me, too. Uh, So, do you have any other news items? No, I do not. Uh, For mine, it's not really a news item so much as an article I stumbled across and uh, I would like to talk about because uh, when everyone is listening to this, it'll be on the Facebook page for about a week. But, but, you know, I I think it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. uh, Just briefly. We don't have to get too deep into it. But... uh, it's a top ten list of snowbound horror movies for Christmas. Now, this comes from whatculture.com. And I've been trying to figure out who wrote this. But, uh, oh, Ian Watson, I guess. Ian Watson from uh, from whatculture.com wrote it. And uh, it's an interesting list because it, it really covers a lot of movies that I like, anyway. Um that are, you know, snowbound theme. And some I haven't even heard of. So at number 10, they have Detox. I With uh, Sylvester Stallone, I've actually, I don't think I've even heard of this movie. It's from 1999. Yeah, I've never heard of it at all. Not a whisper. Yeah, neither have I. So I can't comment on that. But uh, you know what? I might seek it out now. See what it's about. Uh, next up at number 9, they have Ice Road Terror. Now this one looks really bad <laughs> because uh, it has like a it, it has like a T Rex surrounded by snow and ice, and that just wouldn't happen. That couldn't happen. But then again, you know what? Uh, tornadoes don't generally have sharks in them, so so I guess it's uh, <laughs> I guess that's what you take into the movie. Invoking <laughs> shark Sharknado into your reasoning might not be the best. <laughs> yeah. Now, this next number eight, I was I was kind of questioning because we've talked about this movie before and we both don't really like it that much, even though it's it's an adaptation from one of our favorite authors and it's Dreamcatcher, uh, the adaptation of the Stephen King yeah. novel. Now, this movie just failed for me on many levels. Yeah, me too. Um, but it is snowbound horror, I guess. That's the... <laughs> Yeah, but uh, is the top yeah, it's top ten? I don't know. But uh, moving along here. Well, only because there's not that many, maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I guess there's there's some on here, or there's some that I noticed weren't on here that could have been, but uh, but that's neither here nor there too. At, at least it could have taken Dreamcatcher's spot or that fucking dinosaur film. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> number seven is a good one. Dead Snow. We were talking about that last week. Yeah, just last episode. I still haven't seen it. Um, maybe I should do that tonight. 
I started it once. I didn't know it was subtitled. I don't have anything against subtitles, but I wasn't in the mood. You know, yeah. I got to be in the right mood. So. You really do because you're basically reading a movie, right? Uh, instead, yeah, of... you know, sometimes I sometimes I know that I'm going to want to play around on my phone <laughs> when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> yeah, when you I get bored or something. Yeah, because you <laughs> might miss something important. But uh, it's a good yeah. movie. Uh, it's uh, I haven't seen it in a while, and like I said last week, when I did watch it, I was I was kind of drunk, so that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, I have trouble remembering movies when I'm sober. So, so I, I just remember the beginning mostly. There's a tent scene that was pretty powerful, and uh, it freaked me out. So I want to watch it again too. Uh, number six is a, another kind of ridiculous choice, and I'm not trashing this guy's list. I think it's uh it's actually very uh it's very poignant I guess for the time of year. But number 6 is Jack Frost. Have you seen this one? This 19 That's it, it's got Michael Keaton in it. It's about a snowman that comes to life and Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. Yeah. And it's a freaky weird because it's not horror, is it? It's it's just if you're looking at it through that lens it's really creepy. Or is it though? No, it's a horror movie because it's a serial killer. Yeah, a serial killer transforms himself into a snowman or whatever and takes revenge and uh, goes on a killing I get that mixed up with another one. Yeah, there is is another film that's similar to that. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a a Kid Jack Frost movie, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. Number five is one of my favorites. I used to watch it every year, but I haven't this year yet. I might not because of all the newer... Uh, you know, traditional movies that I want to install. And uh, this is Silent Night. It's from, uh, what year is it from? It's from the, uh, oh no, this is, he's got the rebooted one on here from 2012. Yeah, yeah that's weird. That is weird, because I would go I with the original. No? Yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, I would go with the original myself on that one. Um, yeah, that was, that was the talk of St. John's Schoolyard when that movie came out. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. We're all like, oh, boy. They got to see this. They take Christmas and they blasphemize it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm a big fan of the original. I think I've seen the uh, the remake, but I don't really remember it. So that kind of shows you what I thought of it, I guess. Have you seen uh, Silent Night's uh, sequel? The original? No. It's terrible. Don't. Because (laughs) literally the first half of the movie, like 45 minutes, is nothing but a a retelling of the original first film. Yes. I have seen that. Isn't that that bizarre? There were a few movies back then that did that. There's a couple. I can't remember which which ones they are now. Yeah. Of course, when you know, when I want to make a point. But there's a couple where the second one is just redoes the entire first movie and recap. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Is that weird? I don't know why they did that. Like, I can see, like, maybe a oh. five-minute, like, this is what happened last time, but 45 minutes? Yeah, it just keeps going and going. Yeah, it's like you're watching the movie again. You're not there for that movie. You're there for the this, this second one, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, moving on, number four is another one I haven't seen, haven't even heard of, to be honest with you, is Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. And, yeah, I gotta uh, say I don't know this one here. I, yeah, I don't. I've never heard of it, but I might look it up. Look it up and search it out because uh, it's on this list. It might be good. You never know. Never know. It's it's really high up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's number four. 
And that's really close to one of my favorites. Uh, number three. Yeah. Number three is, uh, is... I found this film to be really good, even though a lot of people, for whatever reason, maybe because they like the source material a little, you know, more than the movie adaptation, but 30 Days of Night makes number three. And I think... God, I love that movie. I'm, me too. It's I haven't read the comic that it's based on, but I found that the movie itself was very brutal, especially the scene where the vampires actually do their attack, their initial attack. It's just yeah. nasty. It's uh, it's very brutal. And that they have their own language. That was really... That was great. I love that. Yeah, I like that too. Now, I... Even though I have complained about this list a little bit, they're not real complaints, but this one is. <laughs> Number two is The Thing. Now, I am Yeah, very, that's like your favorite movie. It is. When, it's, it, whenever somebody says, what's your favorite horror movie, The Thing is the first thing I think of, because I honestly think it's almost perfect movie. It's, it's, it's god-awful dread and paranoia and isolation. It's... It's and the monster. The monster is fucking terrifying. Um, and he put it at number two, and that's okay. That's his opinion, but I disagree with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and number one is another good film, but I don't think it deserves number one in my opinion. I think it should be number two, <laughs> and that is The Shining, another Stephen King adaptation. I do like The Shining better than The Thing, personally. Oh, but uh, oh. You know, I don't think we can be friends uh, anymore. <laughs> you know, that, that's only because I was introduced to The Shining first. And yeah. I, so, you know I think just exposure-wise, so that one got endeared to me. That one, that were, what you just said there, might be uh, what it's about. Because The Thing is one of the first horror movies I've seen. Um, yeah. I saw... Friday, Friday the 13th Part 4 was my first horror movie, and it was sometime soon after I was visiting my dad, and uh, we were staying over at a relative's, and we were, like, in their basement, and uh, uh, he was, like, on the couch, and I was on the rollout bed on from another couch, and this movie, The Thing, came on, and he didn't change the channel. I think he fell asleep. He was talking about it, though, while we were watching it a bit. Uh, if people haven't heard, uh, me talk about my dad before, he's like this religious nut. <laughs> and so it's kind of strange to me that he would watch this movie with me because of how nasty it is. But, but like I said, I'm pretty sure he fell asleep, but I remember being completely mesmerized by this, um, well, you know, sleeping and, or, you know, watching TV in the dark and, and some strangers, well, to me, stranger anyway, um, uh, basement. It was just a kind of a cool experience, and something I'll probably take to the grave with me. You know, that's I I have quite a few horror movies when I was a kid that are like that too. That the entire experience, you know, kind of kind of encapsulates it. Like when my best friend Richard and I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, it was summer. We were spent the night over at his house eating eating nerds and, and soda. <laughs> I remember nerds. Kind of like man, it's one of my my favorite. You know, memories from childhood was just that whole whole thing. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I used to eat nerds a lot. I loved them. Oh, I love nerds. <laughs> they were, <laughs> you know, they're weird. They're the weirdest little things. They're just like little sugar 
balls or whatever. Yeah, they're or just blobs. like little casts off from other candy. Yeah. I think. and yet you're like, I'm, 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 I'm. Oh, I love them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love them, nerds. You know, yeah. my favorite thing, I can't find, I don't know if it's, if you have the, diff, oh, we should talk about what kind of candy. Sorry. <laughs> you know, different places have different candy. Down here, all you can find is the uh, grape and strawberry nerds and then the rainbow. And when I was a kid, they had so many different kinds. Yeah. And there was too. one that they had that was like, like hot, hot and cold. It was like the one side was was like fiery cinnamon, and the other one was kind of oh, like yeah. this cool mint. Those were my favorite ones. Love those. I remember we had like orange ones and like strawberry flavored yeah. ones and things like that. Blue ones. Uh, I don't remember the, yeah. the hot and cold ones. Maybe the cinnamon ones, but not uh, the cool sort of minty ones or whatever. But uh, yeah. but yeah, that's <laughs> you know candy uh, really. Uh, is a really big thing for Christmas. Do you yes, get, it is. Do you eat a lot of crap for Christmas? Oh my goodness! From from Halloween on, I am just a garbage disposal for sugar <laughs> and empty calories. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Because you're going, disgusting. because you're going home this year for Christmas. Is, yeah, is there no, any, that's going to be. Is there any traditions that you and your family typically follow? Uh, shrimp cocktail oh. after, after church on Christmas Eve. Cool. That's not exactly very Christmassy. <laughs> so, and, uh, and, and cheese spread with sociables, sociable crackers. I don't know if anybody knows what sociables are. Yeah, Just I, like, you know, Nabisco, one of the many kinds of, of snack crackers. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I usually go over to, uh, to my wife's mother's house and they always have a spread of, uh, of like this Chinese food, and also a lot of like you know junk food, and we just pig out, and it's it's one of those things where you go home and you're like, oh, why did I eat all that shit? Because I feel like it now. Yeah. I feel like shit. And then the next day, yep. of course, is the big turkey yep. dinner, and and then you eat too much there too. And I remember one year after eating eating the turkey dinner, I came home, and something fell behind my dresser, so I bent over to pick it up, and I burped. Oh no. And when I burped, all this, like, turkey dinner juice oh. kind of came streaming oh. out of my mouth. Oh, I felt like I, I felt like I was so full of turkey dinner that I was just leaking it everywhere. It was nasty. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought, you, I thought you, your, your pants were going to split, but that's even worse. Yeah, it's, that's nasty. I'm glad nobody was in the room. And yet, I like telling the story, so I don't know. It's yeah, weird. now everybody knows. The yeah. world knows your secret. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have many, many other terrible secrets. Very. I, <laughs> I, I have bodies in my basement, the metaphorical type. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right, we'll go with that anyway. Yeah. All right. So this week... Until another episode. <laughs> so this week... Uh, uh, we are we were uh, very blessed to talk with uh, uh, with uh, Grant Harvey, director of Christmas Horror Story, and one of the writers, Pascal Trottier. And we're yes, gonna... we have movie people. Yeah, movie people. Movie people. <laughs> and uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, so you can go refresh that hot chocolate with the whipped cream. And uh, 
when we get back, we're going to be joined by uh, Grant Harvey or Pascal. I'm not too sure I'm going to put first, but uh, we will be talking to them. Excellent. With unmatched success since 2012, Crystal Lake Publishing has quickly become one of the world's leading indie publishers of horror and thriller books with a mystery and suspense edge. With stories, interviews, and essays by the likes of Wes Craven, Neil Gaiman, Jack Ketchum, Ramsey Campbell, Kevin Lucia, Jasper Bark, Mercedes M. Yardley, Mark Allen Gunnels, and Clive Barker, you'll want to dive right in. Crystal Lake Publishing www.crystallakepub.com Hi. Welcome to the Patreon campaign for Crystal Lake Publishing. I'm Jasper Bach. Let me explain to you why I was thrilled to be an advocate. I've been working with Crystal Lake Publishing since the publication of their first official release, the anthology For the Night is Dark. Over the last three years, I've watched them grow into one of the world's leading indie publishers of dark fiction. But times are hard for indie publishers, and that's why they need your support. Not only to pay the huge number of people who work tirelessly behind the scenes to make certain that each book is of the highest professional standard, but also to pay all anthology contributors a top professional rate, to include artwork in every single one of their books, and to pay a quarterly bonus on royalties to all their authors. In return, they are offering some truly amazing perks, so please do take a moment to go and check them out. The perks are offered over two tiers, so there is something to suit everyone's budget. And, because this is Patreon, you can put a cap on the amount of money you spend each month, so you will never go above budget. But, the main reason to support Crystal Lake Publishing is because they build communities. Communities of readers and writers, of artists and filmmakers, and genre enthusiasts of every stripe. And that's why I am so proud to be an associate, why I was thrilled to be an advocate for this campaign, and why, most importantly, I hope that you will join me. Thank you so much for listening. All right, so welcome back, everyone. Uh, this week we have an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, actually, uh, depending on when this episode comes out, uh, he could very well be the very first uh, director we've had on the show. Up until now, we've had uh, a lot of uh, literary guests, and I'm very happy to have a, a movie director on the show because, uh, well, Darkness Dwells, as you all know, we love movies. <laughs> and Grant is the director and producer. Uh, sorry, Grant is a Canadian director and producer. He has worked on many television shows such as Twelve Monkeys, Orphan Black, Bitten, among many others. Uh, 
he will be recognized to our audience mostly as producer of Ginger uh, Ginger Snaps 2, the producer director of Ginger Snaps Back the Beginning, and most recently, uh, and what we're here to talk about, one third of a Christmas horror story. Welcome to the show, Grant. Thanks. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. So, um, uh, one thing I was wondering about while watching this, uh, first of all, awesome job on the movie. Uh, uh, this is like going to be uh, a Christmas movie that I watch every year. <laughs> that's kind of, that's what we were hoping. Yeah, we were certainly intending that. You know, it felt like uh, something that we wanted people to watch again and again. Yeah. Well, you definitely achieved that. Um, it just has. It, it it's kind of strange that you know it's such a dark movie. But it really does capture that Christmas feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm really glad you dialed into that. That's awesome. But it also feels it's a whole new Christmas tradition now. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what we're hoping. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the movie itself, it really feels like uh, it was a, a really big collaborative uh, event. It, it 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 has the feeling that maybe. Uh, it went through the ringer quite a few times, like in conversations over drinks and whatnot. Uh, can you tell us how uh, you came to uh, work on this movie? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it all came actually all came about very quickly. Um, <clears throat> Steve Hoban, uh, one of the producers, uh, and certainly kind of almost like the uh, I would say sort of the head creative force of the movie. Um, he he had worked he had produced uh, the remake of Black Christmas years ago and and he was really disappointed with the way that movie was released and and, um, and you know he felt like he should be he should be on to doing you know the third or fourth sequel of that movie and that he you know every year he wanted to have a Christmas movie come out a Christmas horror movie and so he he came up with the idea of uh, he had just finished doing a series called Darknet and uh, with uh, that had multiple writers and multiple storylines and. And he thought uh, that might be a great thing to apply to Chris to a, a Christmas horror uh, anthology. And uh, so he, he they got a bunch of writers together and pitched ideas, and everyone went off and wrote, wrote these ideas. And then he approached me to uh, direct a couple of the uh, of the uh, stories in the film. And uh, we've been friends for a long time, and we've worked together on the Ginger Snaps films and uh, a number of other things. And, and uh, yeah, so he, he approached me in December, and we were shooting it in uh, in March, February, March. Wow, um, you know, the movie really does have a, uh, or sorry, I wasn't going for that. Uh, in my research on you, I noticed that you guys, uh, you and uh, and the other directors, uh, have worked. I wouldn't say side by side, but you've guys kind of mingled in in the things that you work on a lot. Uh, yeah, especially in the television shows and whatnot. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a little, it's certainly a little collective. Uh, John Fawcett, uh, who's one of the co-creators of Orphan Black, um, and he uh, directed and uh, and you know really was a big part in the writing of the first Ginger Snaps and was a producer on Ginger Snaps two and three. Um, and I've done second unit. John and I went to film school together. Uh, in Calgary, and he, Steve, produced his film at the Canadian Film Center, which is like kind of a graduate uh, film program, and uh, uh, so I met Steve Hoban uh, there, and we all kind of, and then Brett Sullivan was an editor uh, that edited the first Ginger Snaps and, and edited some more from Black and directed some more from Black, so yeah, we've all, the four of us have all been working um, together for a long time, and then the other producer of our Smith works with Steve, so it is definitely a, a collective, and we're all friends and, and hang out, and yeah, it's, it, so it was, I think that's part of the 
fun that comes through in a Christmas horror story is that you know it really was a bunch of dudes that like to hang out making a movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the uh, the feeling I was trying to get across when you're when you're watching this movie. You get that feeling that uh, these people, uh, the people who made this movie, kind of came together to uh, make this thing. Um, yes. I also read that you guys only had 22 days to shoot the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. I I make my living mainly doing episodic television, so I'm pretty used to uh, you know working under you know, and, and the pressures on episodic television now are is that you know that that, that it does look very feature like. Um, so I'm used to the time crunch, but yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, so each and, and it, they made the choice. Steve and Mark made the choice, uh, and I think it was a wise choice in the end to not block shoot the whole movie. But basically, so I started and I did my two stories in one stretch, and then Brett Sullivan did his story, and then Steve Hoban did his story. So there wasn't really any consolidating as far as locations and stuff, which you know made it even more challenging. But I think it was a good thing to do just because it. Um, it allowed, you know, it allowed each filmmaker to really focus on their stories. But uh, but certainly it was crazy. Yeah, we were we were flying for sure. Yeah, um, uh, you directed but, two two of the storylines, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Change- I did the the Changeling and the Krampus stories. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, especially the Krampus stories are among my favorite. Um, can you explain a little of what happens along your storyline without giving away too much of the plot? For sure, yeah. So, I mean, Christmas Horror Story is an anthology. It was definitely, you know, we all grew up with, uh, you know, we were all fans of Creepshow and uh, and some of the other anthology films, and and, uh, we kind of wanted it to have that kind of spirit to it. Um, The difference is that our stories all kind of intersect slightly. There's a little bit of uh, crossover between each story, um, and they're all kind of held together um, by the fabulous, uh, uh, Bill Shatner. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, my stories were, one of them is a changeling story, uh, about a family, uh, going out to, um, uh, get a Christmas tree, uh, and their young son goes missing in the woods. Uh, and when they find them, he's definitely, uh, He's definitely different uh, when they bring him home. And the father uh, is a police officer that had witnessed a grisly murder the pr- Christmas before. So he's kind of struggling with almost like a PS- PTSD. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the changeling story. Um, and then the other story is uh, the Krampus story is um, it's basically about a family of kind of like not very nice people um, that uh, that end up. Um, you know, accidentally summoning uh, their actions summon uh, the Krampus spirit, and uh, it uh, hunts them down um, when they go and visit their their Tanta Eba in Edda in uh, you know in the countryside, and they and they end up being hunted down by the Krampus monster. Um, so that one's very much a we kind of wanted each story to have to be sort of in a different you know, each one has is in a different uh, genre of horror, and so mine was, uh, you know, the changing was sort of creepy kid uh, horror, and then uh, the Krampus was, uh, was you know, was our uh, monster monster story. Um, the, tr- the challenging part for us, and really was challenging in editing, um, was 
just the tone, the tonal difference between each story and trying to make that work because we didn't really, our plan was to intercut the, all the stories as opposed to having it play out like Creepshow where it was one story, then the next story, then the next story. And so it felt like, you know, Creepshow felt like a lot of anthologies feel like a collection of short films and we really wanted ours to feel like a whole movie. Um, but then kind of blending those tones, that was uh, that was definitely one of the most challenging parts, especially the Krampus story was... Uh, Tonally was a lot different than the other stories, so yeah, it was it was fun. That was really really a fun challenge. Yeah, that now, was. I noticed. I found it interesting that uh, both of both of your segments dealt with families, and in both of them, the families were kind of already in crisis at some point. <laughs> was that kind of coincidental that it fell on your shoulders to do to do those two, or is that kind of a, a theme that interests you? I think it must be like basically Steve Hoban and Mark Smith, the producers, they, they got me to read the script and they, uh, they basically said, you know, pick, uh, pick the stories you'd like to do. And those were the two that, that I chose. <laughs> so it's obviously, uh, obviously something, in, <laughs> something in me. Uh, my family's not overly dysfunctional, but, uh, <laughs> But it certainly uh, it certainly interests me. I think um, you know I feel like uh, there was yeah there was certainly some interesting things to chew into there for me. I think more it was almost more visually than than uh, you know like overtly thinking about the themes. It was more both of those stories really interested me visually. So yeah, that's interesting that you pointed that out. Though it's uh, curious. I'm gonna have to think about that a little bit. <laughs> Um. Uh, oh God, I, I I did have a question and it's not here. No, it was a, it was a uh, it was uh, off the last one. Do you have another question, Michael? Um, no, not really. Not about uh, not about this. Okay, so um, I've heard, but I don't know if it's true that there might be a, a sequel to this film. Is that true? Uh, we, we would love that. Um, we're, it's not like we've been chatting about ideas, but there's nothing, uh, nothing officially in the works yet. Um, certainly, uh, something that we would love to see happen. I, you know, we were hoping maybe, uh, you know, to me, it feels like a no brainer for something like somebody like a Netflix to, uh, you know, have every year have released one of these, you know, on Christmas Eve every year would be kind of perfect. Um, so definitely something. Yeah, you know, we're something we're, we're um, that you know creatively uh, we would love to do, and we've been talking about, but nothing official in the works just yet, unless the boys are keeping it secret from me. <laughs> which yeah, I guess they could, right? Which is entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, I really hope that happens. That yeah. would be wonderful. That would be yeah, awesome. thanks. Um, yeah, it's you know it's a fun movie to like. It really. I saw. I got to see it uh, at a few festivals with festival audiences, like packed festival audiences, and it was so like gratifying to to see it with an audience because it it really does like the you know the ending. Everyone loves the ending. The, everyone really gets the humor. Um, people laugh at different places. You know, there's a there's a number of great moments where people you can feel people getting scared. Like it really. It did what we wanted it to do, which was be really a really kind of fun horror movie, like almost like a throwback to, like I say, like to Creepshow and The Thing and those kinds of movies. Yeah. Um, moving it's, on it's from. Funny that, uh, that you said. Go oh, ahead, Michael. 
it, it's interesting that you you just said what was going in my mind the words fun horror which yeah. on, on this show you know i you know i talk a lot about how i'm kind of iffy on on horror comedy but right. what i really like is exactly what that is is fun horror you know yes. that uh because because all these segments the the whole movie really had a dark edge to it even though it had the moments of of just pure entertainment and and lightheartedness it was just such a great uh great mixture yeah I'm, like like i say i'm really glad you guys keyed in on that because that was definitely the spirit that we entered it like you know it is sort of it's got built-in irony you know christmas and horror yeah. you know <laughs> so uh so we definitely were looking for something that was that was fun, you know, that people would like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it it, had, it does have a pretty great ending, and uh, um, and you know, I think it leaves people feeling like it's it's a bit of a throwback, like it feels like a movie that um, that I watched when I was like, you know, starting to think about making movies, which uh, which makes me pretty happy. Well, that's awesome. Uh, did you have any more questions about this movie, Michael? Um, just, just about what you said about your, uh, like, like influences and that, because you do so much with, with TV, I'm just wondering what some of your television influences were. I know that when I was growing up, we were very much a, a Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents family. Did you have any yeah, of those yeah. as, as favorites? Totally. Yeah. No, I loved, uh, I loved that, uh, that kind of programming and, um, you know, like the night, it was, what was it called? The Night Stalker? Uh, cool. Uh, shoot, Kolchak, Colt. There was, it was a. I, I barely remember it, but it was like this really creepy. Uh, I think it was called the Night Stalker. This really creepy show. Um, uh, but all of those things were really fun for me. And and I went in in high school. Um, there was a group of us that uh, that you know that like made videos in high in the eighties in high school, and most of them had some sort of you know horror <laughs> angle to them. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Because it's fun, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So certainly, yeah, in, definitely influenced by by that anthology. Um, you know, some of the shows that you mentioned for sure. Uh, yeah, I kind of had a weird blend of influences because I was also influenced very much by by uh, you know, as far as becoming a filmmaker, by films, you know, films, but you know, of uh, John Hughes films and and kind of teen, you know, teen drama and teen comedy. Or really got me into it as well. So definitely sort of a pop, pop film, you know, a pop influence in my early, uh, early career. And then of course, you know, after film school and hanging out with guys like John Fawcett, started to uh, delve deeper. And uh, but I've always been interested in in that. Like one of my favorite movies is um, is Angel Heart and Jacob's Ladder. Some of those movies from from that period are also just you know, films that I would consider some of my favorite movies. I love both sure. those oh, movies great. myself. Um, yeah. Uh, do you prefer They're... doing the darker type of stuff when you're directing? Uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit like, um, yes, I, like I, I love doing Orphan Black because it does combine, like that's one of the things that John's very good at, John Fawcett is combining tones. Like it does have a lot of comedy, but it also goes to very, very dark places. And, and I really, like, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy, you know, figuring out how to not get in the way of, you know, sort of, you know, look at me kind of directing way, but to try and, you know, 
shoot things in a cinematic way that that all, that you feel. You know, you yeah. feel. Um, so it, as opposed to straight up drama, where uh, you know, where it's a little bit more about performance and a little bit less about you know, kind of the quote tricks. Um, yeah. I grew up as a commercial director. Like I, that's how I cut my teeth is directing commercials. So I really am very familiar with the camera and how to use it and and you know and, and I'm old enough now that I've kind of gotten out of my own way and, and you know use it to serve the story I don't really uh, I don't like I'm not all about the flash and uh, but yeah I, I do feel like um, that, that shooting things that have a darker vibe like some of the things I'm developing right now definitely have that vibe I'm not into you know into sort of um, the torture porn kind of stuff like I, I definitely like an element of fun to my horror not necessarily funny but fun it's hard to describe you said it perfectly it's like entertaining you know it's not necessarily just makes you feel gross like it it's actually it makes you feel things and and what's fun about horror too i find is that you can explore themes that if you were you know if you were exploring that in straight up drama it would be lame you know what i mean but But in horror, you can explore kind of these larger themes, and it's actually really great. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. Very, that's very true. Um, just a couple more questions about your other sure. works. Um, uh, my agent who got me in contact with you, uh, he wants to know a couple of things here. Um, mm-hmm. You've worked on a couple of uh, t- television shows that are adaptations of either short stories or, or books. And he was uh, talking more specifically about Haven and Kelly Armstrong's uh, Bitten. And he was wondering if those authors have much control or if they were around much uh, during the shooting of those types of films or uh, television shows. Yeah, I I, I worked on both Bitten and Haven. And um, I unfortunately never got to uh, meet Stephen King on Haven. That would have been cool. That would have been, yeah. But but he uh, yeah he was very as far as I understand it um, he was very hands off I think he was uh, you know his short stories set it up and uh, and certainly his name uh, you know helps the ratings and brings an audience but I think he was you know collecting checks on that one for sure um, I don't know that I don't know that they I don't I don't believe they had to run anything past him on that one um, Bitten I believe the author was a little bit more involved off the top. But again, I feel like it's a sort of dangerous, uh, you know, that would be a dangerous thing because, you know, obviously film and television is so different than, uh, you know, than than the novel, so, uh, or the, you know, literary works. So uh, I think they, they, I don't think they, they, either author had any sort of approval. Um, But, uh, but I do believe the Bitten author was, uh, was involved a little bit um, in sort of, yeah, a little bit more into sort of the, the creation of it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's an interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know. Are there any? I wonder if there's any examples of showrunning uh, writer producers that that adapted their own novels. You know, or or novel people that wrote novels that are that are uh, actively involved in the television uh, version of it. That, it would be interesting to see how that would go. I, I suppose TV would lend itself a little bit more to that because it is a longer format. You can. You know, you can uh, play stories out. Yeah. Uh, more like a novel. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, interesting thought for sure. Yeah, I thought I, th- I think that Stephen King was involved in uh, Under the Dome at least at the beginning. 
Uh, I don't right. know about the rest of it, but uh, right. but I know he was very heavily involved at the beginning of that. Uh, like I said, though, that might have dwindled out because well, he's a very yeah. busy guy too, right? He's but, a pretty he's a pretty busy guy. <laughs> Whatever, collect the check. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let the TV people do their thing. <laughs> yeah. So sure. uh, so one more question, and this goes to uh, uh, Ginger Snaps, uh, both parts two and three. Uh, they were shot back to back. Now, were there any serious challenges in doing that kind of thing? Um, well, I mean, that was a very strange and awesome opportunity that we had. Like, the film, first film did very well critically. It didn't really do, like, it made, I think that movie was in a profit situation even before it was finished, just the deal that, uh, you know, the good old days, uh, the deal that the producer, Steve Hoban, set up. But it wasn't as commercially successful as everyone had hoped, but it was very critically successful. So Lionsgate at the time, uh, you know, commissioned two sequels, and they just basically, their, their, um, you know, their only thing they asked for was they said, you know, it need, they need to have Bridget and Ginger, and they need to have more, we want more werewolves. Um, yeah. So we got to, we were in this, you know, crazy position to this group of friends to sit down and, kind of jam on what would be cool um, without really much, uh, you know, influence from from the net, like the studio and the distributor. Um, so we made the decision. We knew that one of them we wanted to go into the past just because it was like John – it was John Fossey who was like, I just kind of want to see Bridget and Ginger with swords. <laughs> that was like where that, that whole idea came from. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so we decided to shoot them together just – because there is a savings to doing that. Um, the challenge was just uh, uh, like the fo I was, I kind of was second. I went second with the third one. And, and uh, the challenge was that the focus really went on to number two. Um, so, uh, uh, and, and I was having script troubles and, and, you know, and I still have, I'm still a little bummed that we had to really rush that script because we kind of had to start over, you know, in pre-production and like while the other film was shooting, but um, the, uh, yeah, that was the challenge for me going second was that I, you know, there was a lot of attention on the other one while I was shooting. um, And it was a little bit hard to, to, uh, you know, to, to sort of have people's focus to, uh, to get mine prepped, but it it made a ton of sense because we could put way more on the screen um, uh, by shooting them together for sure. It's much like the television concept, you know? Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the Ginger Snaps franchise, and uh, and it's one of those weird franchises for me in that they keep getting better with each movie in the uh, in the trilogy, and oh. uh, and in with the third, I remember reading the synopsis for the third one, and I was like, oh come on, they go back in time, really? <laughs> and then, but then I watched it, I watched it, and I was completely blown away. I loved it. It's a it's a fascinating film, and it's so very well done. And, yeah, I haven't uh, watched it for a long time. I'll have to sit down and watch it again. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah. uh, Michael, do you have anything else you want to ask? Well, I can certainly talk all day, but I uh, <laughs> I, I covered what I what I specifically wanted to know. <laughs> okay, yeah. so I, I don't want to soak up too much more of your time, uh, Grant. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It, yeah. was, uh, it was awesome talking to you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we... You're, you're, yeah, no, you're, it was my pleasure, and I'm actually working. Um, I was actually working with uh, with uh, Pascal, uh, the writer of the Changeling uh, Christmas horror story, um, 
the changing story I was writing, working with him today, we're working on a new project called Scowler that uh, is very cool and very dark. And uh, so hopefully we'll be chatting, we'll chat with you about that sometime. And I know Pascal uh, was going to reach out to you and uh, and hopefully uh, have an interview with you as well. Yeah, actually, I'm talking to him uh, just next week. So, awesome. uh, uh, yeah. So uh, thanks again for being on the show. And I really do look forward to having you on again. Excellent. All right. Thank you very much for your time, guys. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again for sure. Okay. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Grant. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Nice to meet you guys. Bye. Merry Christmas. Christmas most magical time of year. Tell me you will find the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition. Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit. But in Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. You still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I get to do any door in the school. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti-Santa Claus. A demon who punishes the naughty. He whips them and chains them up, stuff like that. That's fun. It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. How did it all come to this? down here and there's a psychopath on our loose bring the changeling back to the forest that ain't your son did you not see what he did the atmosphere here in Bailey Downs is truly grim this holiday season Welcome back. Uh, this week we uh, continuing on our Christmas horror story venture. We have a, a special guest. We have one of the writers for this awesome movie, and it's Pascal Trottier. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Now you you've done some pretty interesting movies. Uh, we're going to get to them in a second. But uh, one thing that I always like to do with first time guests is I. I, I kind of like to know where you came from in terms okay. of uh, what influenced you into writing the things you write. So where did you grow up? Um, I grew up uh, near Ottawa in Gatineau on, on the, the French-Canadian side of, mm -hmm. uh, of the area and um, grew up in a nice sort of small town uh, during my adolescence uh, near uh, near the water, near Marina and we I, I really had a lot of uh, free range to do as a kid you know I had a lot of freedom to, to just sort of go outside and do what I wanted to do and I and I, and I made movies I, I was a teenager that you know uh, took my friend's camcorder and we did a lot of uh, you know short amateurish uh, film movies about movies you know like uh, you know whatever whatever we were watching at the time we'd go imitate it um, so that's sort of sort of how I started I, I was always into it into making movies with my friends and we were always talking about you know growing up making movies but then you know as life you know sort of has it you, people go in different directions but I was 
insane enough to, <laughs> to keep going in that <laughs> following that crazy dream. Um, and from Ottawa, I was uh, how old was I? I moved to Vancouver uh, to to go to to Va- Vancouver Film School when I was twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, that that sort of instead of going to university, oh my god. And my, but my parents were supportive. I was like, I'm not going to university. I'm going to go to this film school, and so they were they were okay with it. That's and cool. um, that sort of put me on the path. You know, I was sort of I was all in when I was kind of young. Yeah. It was a, a, a long uh, a long hard road, but it definitely you know it's it, I think it's just now started, just now twenty years later, almost twenty years later, starting to pay off. Yeah, um, you. Uh uh, did did going to film school at all help open up any doors for you? Or I, when I went to the Canadian Film Center, it did. Uh, so uh, about five years later, this is like ten, you know, in two thousand five, mm-hmm. I went to uh, the Canadian Film Center, and that's where you know things really started to uh, shift for me because I went there as a director. I got in as a as a because they had different labs of. So, a lab for writers, a lab for directors, and a lab for editors and producers. Mm-hmm. And I was accepted as a director. Cool. Um, going back Based to your... My, oh, sorry. That's when I started to write. That, that's when I started... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, no. Well, that, you that, were that, breaking up films a bit, when so, I started okay. to write. Oh, okay, okay sorry. And, and there is when I started to actually write uh, when I went to the Kane Film Center because um, it's when I realized, you know, if, if you want to make cool stuff you, you really can't depend on other people to sort of write it for you you know you're gonna have to write it yourself or at least from the early stages develop it yourself so so i would i would lean on other writers uh, at first and then i would just kind of co-write with writers and that's and they knew more than i did because they were writers and, and i started to learn the process and that's where during my time that's where i, I co-wrote the colony uh, if, if, as a segue, if you want, if you will, to, to sort of how how my career started. Yeah, the colony is actually both Michael and I have seen the movie, and uh, we're blown away by it. Oh well, thanks. It, it, it evolved tremendously. You know, it took a long time to get made. I, I I wrote it in film school, but it took what six years, six seven years to finally uh, get get made. You know, so so in between there, there was some pretty lean years of of just sort of struggling, learning to write. It was a big. That was the time where I really uh, I rewrote the colony over those years with my co writer like fifty times. You know, I just kept re, we kept just kept rewriting it, rewriting, and that was sort of the learning process for me. Cool. And then I was writing other things on the side, but that was really it. You know, what, what was it like? Uh, you no. know, you you wrote a script. Uh, and uh, you have people like Lawrence Fishburne and and Bill Paxton. What's it like seeing them take your uh, your characters and bring it to life? Um, it's 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 like it's a dream come true. You know, there's no other way of putting it because you're you're you, like I said, you write the, the stuff, you do this stuff for years. You know, you're never sure if it's going to get made. You know, yeah. And then, and so people tell you. Oh, okay. We're going to make it this year, and then it doesn't happen. And then, okay, no, no, this year it's really going to happen. Then it doesn't happen. Then you start to lose hope, right? Yeah. And then suddenly it's happening, and then the the steam starts to pick up, and you're just trying to keep up. And then, um, and then they're like, "Yeah, we're we're sending this out to actors." And you're like, "Okay, cool." You're just kind of bobbing your head, and you're like, "Cool, man, awesome." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, like Lord Fishburne's going to be in it." And you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then you sort of 
and then and then you're like yeah yeah and like yeah, Bill Paxton like Bill Paxton like you, you know that that's what that's when it got really big league for me because yeah. I'm a huge James Cameron fan and I think the influences show in, in the movie yeah. um, you know my, my my you know my influences were you know John Carpenter James Cameron uh, especially those guys for the colony so when you tell me Bill Paxton's going to be in it, then it becomes... You start to lose your shit. <laughs> you, you lose your shit, exactly. Then, then you start to question even more, is this really going to happen? Are you guys really making this thing? Yeah, are you guys fucking with me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you, you know, are you delusional? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then they make it, and you're... you're the, 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 so the first day on set, we, it was um, in the NORAD base, right? Mm-hmm. It, probably in, the, in your neck of the woods. I don't, I don't know where you are now, but uh, is... Uh, is the is North Bay nearby wherever no, you are? We're about uh, four hours, maybe five hour drive from there. So, or at least uh, <laughs> Michael, yeah. he's he's got to be like a good twenty thirty yeah. hours away from there. So they had this <laughs> this decommissioned Nora base right in a mountain. Yeah. It was like a kilometer underground. Wow. So so my first day on set was that you know we're we're sort of being going on set. Taking this, uh, in, we're in a, a panel van going down this ramp into the mountain, and they're like, "Yeah," and you see all this crew everywhere, and you're like, "Holy shit, what the fuck? This is awesome!" <laughs> and then you get out of the van, the first people you run into are like Bill Paxton. Cool. What were they like? Holy shit, that's. They, I mean, I mean uh, they're both great. Uh, they're both so different, you know. Bill Paxton is a really gregarious, outgoing guy who likes to just tell stories and he's a very he's a guy's guy you know yeah Lawrence Fishburne's very shy and very really? reserved yeah he's very very shy and, and so you talk to him and he's like yeah he's he, he's very um he's a very introverted person that's interesting and, uh, but, but very kind you know he's very kind and very generous so very different characters on set um, and that dynamic was kind of fun to, to, and then, and then when they get in front of the camera and then you're like, okay, now I know why these guys are stars. Like you see it right away. Right? Yeah. Um, it turns so, on. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible the way it turns on. It really is. Did, did uh, you have, one, did you have a yeah. question, Michael? Cause, uh, I, I think I heard you say something earlier. Yeah. I'm just, I know that you've directed a lot of shorts. Um, are you looking to get back into the director's chair anytime soon or? Yeah, I mean, no. I, I do. Shorts are expensive, you know. <laughs> I mean, like when you sort of commit to making a short film, you're like, all right, uh, can I, I have two kids now, and so unless I get a grant, you know, or something. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I did a short a few years ago, you know, and uh, and, I, and to be honest, I do want to direct again. Um, hope maybe next year. I'm trying to. To be honest, I'm just trying to make a feature film. <laughs> you yeah. Because they're. they're it's all hard work, you know. A short film is hard work, and that takes up a year of your life. And so, I just sort of told myself, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to sweat uh, blood, uh, it's, it, sh- it should be over a, a feature film. Even though it's, it's, even if it sucks, at, at least it's a feature, and you you get to sort of. It, it's a whole different beast because when you do a short, yeah. it's like a three day shoot. You don't really get your legs anyway till you know for a couple of days after you start shooting, and it feels like it begins and it ends. Before Oh, that's it. All right. Okay. Um, so I'd rather just sort of try my hand at a feature. Yeah. <laughs> so you also uh, helped, or did you write all of Hellions, or was it just? Uh, uh... Yeah. No. That that was that was me. I I wrote that um, by myself. Uh, that that that's a project that really evolved a lot too. So um, I started writing that in two thousand. 
2009, I think. And that took also like four years to get made. Uh, that evolved a lot, uh, and then it evolved way more when the director came on board, and and it's just in the and then it evolved again when the editor, you know, it just that was a project that really morphed at every stage in ways that I couldn't have predicted. But yeah, yeah I was the sole I was the sole writer, but it, it really is like a a director's film, like it really is Bruce McDonald's movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to I have to be a fanboy here for for at least a second because I love. Hellions. I just oh, that you. is a great movie. It made my it made this last Halloween. I did a blog about my my top Halloween themed movies, and and it was there. Yep. And uh, I mean, you say it, it's a director's film, but I think the writing is just spot on. It's the oh, wow. the moments of you know when when she's talking with her boyfriend and and the scene with her and the doctor and her with her her mother. You know, you, you get Thank this you. human element that just grounds the more fantastic element. I just, sorry, but I just love that movie. Oh, wow. Thank <laughs> you. I, I, I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't think not, you... a lot of, not a lot of people react strong, so so positively to the movie because it's so, like, it, it takes such a hard left. Oh. You know? Yeah, and, and and I, I love that. <laughs> casual fans don't react well to it, and it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> but thank you so much. Yeah, I think. I well, yeah, when Jason said that you were coming on, you know, I know, I know, this is our Christmas episode, but I was like, oh, well, we got to get into Hellions a little bit because I, <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, Michael's a, a real big fan of it, yeah, and no I, I, love- I actually wanted to watch it before uh, talking to you, but uh, I didn't get the chance. I I have a weird. Is it job still with- on Netflix in the U.S.? Uh, no, Michael? it's not. It- it's not in Canada because I looked, and it's not. Well, it's in not Canada in Canada, anymore. but it, I think it was on Netflix in the states. But I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I've seen that Netflix down here, so it's, I think it's still there. Oh, good. But I will watch well, it thank soon. You. Um, so uh, you seem to uh, stick to a lot of horror movies, or at least dark themes within your work. You've you've also written for uh, Darknet. An anthology yeah. series, a Canadian anthology series. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, that that was uh, that was uh, Vincenzo Natali's, uh, you know, passion project. Yeah, um, and uh, Steve Holban, who who was in like all that, all those guys were involved in a Christmas sorcerer. So it's a good, it's a good way to. We'll start talking about that, and then it'll be a good way to get into the uh, to, to Christmas horror story because that really Darknet was really how a Christmas story. Horror story be. came about. Cool. Yeah, it came to be because our conversations uh, during Darknet. Because if you've seen Darknet, it has this uh, particular structure, um, which uh, ho- also hops around. You know, every every five minutes or so between stories. Yeah. So so it has that odd structure, and uh, but it's only over half an hour, right? And and, and it seemed to work really well for for Darknet and and, and that. So. That 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 was a um, a re- so the show was um, a remake or or not not a remake it was well they got the rights to this Japanese anthology show called uh, Torihada which means uh, goosebumps mm-hmm. in, in Japanese and so uh, it was it was quite different uh, in the, the Japanese but Enzo uh, who who had a vision to sort of make it this. These dark urban uh, horror uh, s- uh, stories that were not that didn't have um, that was more like urban legends and they didn't have supernatural elements in it or mm-hmm. ghosts or, or monsters in it. It was all something that could be real and 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 that sort of very dark, very dark 
gritty tone uh, with some some humor, but mostly <laughs> mostly very dark. Yeah. And so so it was during the making of that that um, Steve was like, because because Steve Hoban, if if you guys know, did the remake of Black Christmas. I don't know if he produced that. Um, yeah. I don't know if you guys are. Aware of that. So so and, and and he had an experience. I won't put you know I won't speak for him, but he had a an experience making that that was I think to him a little disappointing. Um, because it didn't catch fire like he had hoped, you know, uh, the remake was, you know, it was a hard film to make. And then, uh, I think he really wanted to get back into making another Christmas horror, uh, Christmas themed horror, uh, movie. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what, let's, let's do this. Let's do it just like Darknet. Let's get the writers that worked on Darknet and, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of do it the same way. It's and a- this is a, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. And that was in um, that was in September, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, "Let's do this," and we'll shoot it in February. And we're like, oh, "Okay," and then uh, and, and he had he had somehow anyway the, the, all the the producing side of it he had lined up, and it was just up to us. Like, okay, guys, we need to to you know we need to to sort of uh, figure this out. So so pitch me some ideas. So I pitched him a handful of of uh, Christmas themed horror. Uh, you know stories and, and everyone did and then steve with steve and, and mark smith and um brian moria at, at the at copperheart what they did is that they they so pascal you should really write that and that was my favorite uh, segment uh, to write that i that i offered up which so sorry which that. one was that because um, you kind of cut out there again uh what i said was uh we we offered up a bunch of segments and uh, they chose the one that I was the most excited to write, uh, which was the the changeling story. Okay. Um, I, I had a really good idea about how how to write that. So so they chose that. Says, okay, Pascal, you're going to write um, this changeling story, and uh, you know D- Doug Taylor, you're going to write the uh, Doug Taylor offered up a kind of a, a, a zombie elf themed uh, <laughs> sort of. Evil Dead inspired uh, segment. Yeah, and he was like, okay, you're gonna write that. And then uh, Sarah had this idea for this sort of this sort of a teen ghost story uh, nativity themed one. Mm-hmm. And uh, James Key had a uh, had the Krampus idea. Like he always he had always wanted to do kind of a, a like a, a fun Krampus story. And so uh, so we went and wrote them independently, right? And mm-hmm. then. Uh, then, then we brought the scripts to to, to the producers, and they and and they were like, okay, and it's this is really Steve, Mark, and, and Brian's work. They they work. They started to, the process of weaving them together, right? So so the narratives uh, would would work. Uh, that that some characters could you know could like for example in my story, um, it originally wasn't a cop, right? It was a it was just a, a you know working class guy, mm-hmm. and it was their suggestion. Well, you know, we have this character in. Um, in James's story, or no, in Sarah's story, that's a cop. Let's make your main character that cop, and that's how we started to sort of piece it all together and make the stories uh, cross over in, in interesting ways. Yeah, yeah, I I love the movie. Um, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be played every year around Christmas time for me. And I watched it recently with my wife, and your piece actually disturbed her. <laughs> she, she kept looking at me and she was like nothing happens to the kid right nothing happens to the kid and i'm like uh only bad things happen to the kid (laughs) but uh it's worse for the rest of them so 
<laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's yeah, it, this, there's a big creep factor in mine. It's like I'll, I'll admit I, I was I was I was pretty, and I was worried they just they cut a lot of that out. I was oh this is too weird, and I was they didn't they didn't change much. I was super happy about that. <laughs> yeah. So um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, what I was gonna say is uh, I was gonna give credit to Grant Grant Harvey. Who was the director of of my segment? I don't know if you've spoken to yeah, Grant actually yet. Actually, we did. We we actually talked to him oh, all the way, I think, in June or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And, and he did. You know, he did two segments, right? He did the, uh, as you know. So uh, I'll give him credit because my mine was on the page was exceptionally dark, and uh, James's Krampus one was very very was much funnier, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Grant had to find a way to sort of. Keep mine creepy, but not too dark, you know, and, yeah. and sort of give it a, a bit more, a, a bit more of a fun edge to it, and then uh, sort of, and then he'd have to to do the same thing and bring down the 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 sort of broader humor and and match it a little more to to the other segments, and that, that's how, that was really hard. That was the hardest part, I think, for the for for, for to make the movie was the tones uh, when they got the scripts were so different, right, yeah. and they had to match. So it, it was a little more seamless, and when you cross cut, like you couldn't feel this jarring effect of like, okay, we're in a totally the tone is totally different now, and um, and to keep the tone balanced, I, I think that Grant did like a really amazing job doing that. Yeah, totally, because the the film does have that even um, like it, it kind of ebbs and flows, it goes up and down, but it all works together very well with the comedy and the dark it's very stuff. Unified. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. Yeah, and, and and we didn't know, it, like, seriously, we didn't know if it was going to work, you know? Like, it, it's just, it, just the process, you're sort of like, you, you have faith that it will work, but all that cross-cutting and all that stuff, like, that was a risk. They took a big risk in terms of having it all work with tone, and, and, and it wasn't too confusing to the audience, and there was a lot of work done in the editing, obviously, you know, to make it, even uh, even tighter, but wow, it's like <laughs> the fact that it works at all is a small miracle. It's yeah. a small Christmas miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I guess. Uh, it, well, it does work. So, uh, well, yeah, which is which is really good because, like, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's out there saying that this is going to be their favorite, you know, Chris Christmas movie around Christmas time, it, which is kind of strange thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, a horror themed one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're super happy by the reactions. Uh, it's been very positive, and it's nice to hear. You know. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask, since you uh, you you've written a lot of, uh, or at least a fair amount of uh, scripts, um, yeah. is is it as heartbreaking as some people say it is? Um, I, I think heart, 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 I don't know if heart, heartbreaking is the word. I mean, heartbreaking if the movie sucks. Uh, that's like I mean that's heartbreaking for everybody, yeah. not just the writer, right? And I think if the movie's good, but it's different, but it's good, everyone has something to be proud of. Um, everybody wears that. Everybody wears the pride, and even though, but the the heartbreaking aspect, I would say more than you know the the, the tr- translation is is the time it takes to make things, yeah. and the fact that. Sometimes it, the heartbreaking thing is the realization that something that you're passionately writing may never ever get made. I think yeah. that's the heartbreaking thing because when you when you set out to write a script, it's never with the with the assumption like 
it's never with the idea that it'll never get made, right? You, you, when you sit down, that's why you're, you're, you're excited to write it. You see a movie in your head. Mm-hmm. I think that's more heartbreaking than anything. It's like a producer will say, yeah, this is not happening. And you're like, oh, man. Or they <laughs> so, say it is going to happen, but then something, oh, something oh, yeah, bad happens and the rug is pulled from the whole project. And Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's... If you can grind that out, and I think... Uh, because expectations, like when I was younger, and that's normal, right? You you get impatient. You're like, shoot the fucking thing already, you know. <laughs> but 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 the reality is, it just doesn't work like that. Like things 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 take time, and um, so yeah. So I would say, like, you know, uh, I, I think it's also hard. Well, okay, that's that said. It is also heartbreaking that when you, let's say in the case of Christmas Horror Story, I'm going to use this as an example. We're proud of the film, but it was heartbreaking actually how the distributor didn't really release it, it well at all in mm-hmm. Canada, especially. And it didn't reach the audience that it was meant to reach, you know, because we wanted people to see it and it didn't get out there. And it's really now only on Netflix that people are finally seeing it, right? Yeah. But before that, nobody knew about it. Uh, it wasn't marketed. That's very um, true. I think, because... I think RLJ though in the states did a better job. They had a great. They had more of a promotion for it. But in Canada, it was just kind of just buried. That's heartbreaking, man. Like that's all that hard work, and then the distributor drops the ball. That's hard too. Yeah, especially when it's a Canadian film. And and you're well, very right because actually I did not even know of this movie's existence, and I, yeah. uh, you know, I read a lot about horror movies but i had no idea this movie even existed until spring of last year when um when somebody i work with mentioned that i should uh, uh do a show revolved around this movie so i was like okay i'll go check it out and i went and bought it off google play and watched it and i was like this movie's phenomenal <laughs> but michael had seen it he knew about it so right michael yeah, yeah. i think I, I watched it as soon as it came on netflix but but like you say, it was kind of just on Netflix that I heard about it. Yeah, right? Um, had it not been for Netflix to sort of save it from oblivion, you know, who knows? Like, not a lot of people would have seen it. It's just, you you would have depended on word of mouth and maybe a cult following over the years would have, because it is a Christmas movie, so maybe every year more and more people yeah. are aware of it. But still, uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean a whole lot whenever you initially release it and like, that. Nothing happens. It's sort of a fart in the wind, you know. Yeah. So that never happened. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, the, the process of making movies is a, it can be heartbreaking a lot of different ways and, and, and surprising ways, ways that you don't expect. It's like, oh shit, you know. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're uh, pretty much out of time. Um, before we go, okay. though, um, I just want to know: uh, is there anything you're working on right now that we can expect in the future? Um, I don't, there's a few things that I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm a, I should talk about it yet, but, um, I am working with Grant Harvey on, uh, the director of, um, of my segment Christmas Tour Story on a book adaptation. And yeah. we're, um, again, like I, I don't exactly want to release what it is because, you know, these things, you, you sort of have to wait for a press release of yeah, sorts because I don't sure. want to speak, I don't want to speak, speak out, out just too early that's sort of the thing right um but <laughs> yeah. i'm working with i'm working also with with the producers uh, i'm working with vincenzo natale on a script a very exciting you know urban thriller um that's a remake of a, of a japanese cult film yeah, cool. um 
so some pretty exciting projects. Another one I maybe, you know, uh, I'll find out this month if I'm writing a uh, remake of a of a famous uh, Canadian <laughs> horror film. Uh-huh. I can't say what it is, but I'll leave it at that. It's exciting. <laughs> it, it, you know. Uh, Jason, once it's official, I'll tell you first, okay? Excellent, uh, yeah. And you know what? We're, we're going to have to have you on the show again when, when some of these come out, and we can yeah, talk I, about them. I would, love to, I would love to. I would love to have both you and Grant movies. on the show, actually, at the same time. Oh, that would be sure. really cool. Oh, for sure. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that project better go through. We, we need you both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have really high hopes for it. It's, it, would be, it would really be great. Um. So I appreciate you guys having me on. It was yeah. great talking about our, our movies. Yeah. So is there anywhere uh, uh, people can reach you if they have any questions for themselves, like Facebook or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, Twitter. Twitter is a, a great, I guess, a, a way. And uh, Facebook. Yeah, but I guess Facebook is. Can can you ask questions on Facebook? I guess you can. Uh, but I guess Twitter would be the best way. Uh, I think. Yeah. Okay. So tweet tweet it up, and I'll. And I'll, I'll, I'll answer whatever questions I can. All right. Well, thanks for being on. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Jason. And, and thank you for thank you for doing your part in in making Christmas a, a holiday for horror fans too. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm happy you guys liked it. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so that was our Christmas special episode. That was awesome. That was awesome that we got to talk to those two, especially, um, you know, about about this movie. You know, I think I came to it last year. You know, I'm trying to remember when I first saw it. I think it was last year, and it was just it just blew me away. And now got to talk to some of the the people behind some of the best segments there. That's that was great. Yeah. I mentioned this last week, but I want to thank Keith uh, Shago again for uh, getting me in contact with these guys because it was a lot of fun talking with them. And I wouldn't have probably would have never heard of the movie po- quite possibly if or I would have just glanced by it like eh, it's just another, you know, another in a long list of others because <laughs> they have all these Krampus movies out now. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the uh, uh, the Universal Krampus one that came out last year? I started it, um, and actually, I got I got so depressed thinking about Christmas that I turned it off. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't I didn't watch it, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the movie. I just didn't want to pay attention to Christmas at the moment. <laughs> I've heard mixed things. I liked it, honestly. I just re- oh. recently we watched it with uh, with Jen, my wife. And uh, uh, she seemed to like it too, so you know it's not that's not Ooh. that bad then. Well, that's good. Yeah, nice. Uh, it's it's got its annoying parts, though. I find it's like I was tell I was talking to her about it while we were watching it, and I I said that uh, it's it's like Christmas Vacation. Oh, what movie did I pair it with? Meets the Mist. Oh, and well, that uh, sounds pretty good. It's well, it is, but you know, I think they do the the family 
the family part, well, they're supposed to because that's the point of the movie, but it almost goes overboard for me, but, you know, I, I like it. And uh, I liked uh, A Christmas Horror Story as well. It's uh, it, Those stories and how they um, intermingle amongst each other, it's it's just fascinating how how the directors and the writers got that to work, as we discussed with uh, Pascal. Yeah, that was really fascinating, finding finding that out, um, because it does really... F- oh, it's one of the best anthology uh, uh, series movies that, that I've seen, just for that reason. You know, it felt incredibly cohesive. Yeah. And um, everything was really interesting. There's usually, like, a clunker, and it's like, oh, I don't like that one, but not this one. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so definitely... People, go check that out and uh, and let us know what you think of it. And if you do want to uh, get back to us and let us know what you think about it, it's easy to do. There's so many places where uh, you can reach us online. Uh, first of all, you can go to Facebook. Uh, Facebook, we have two... Well, first of all, we both have uh, personal accounts, both Michael and I. Um and you can also find us uh, just do a search for Darkness Dwells on the Facebook search and uh, you'll find both the page where you can like it and the group where you can participate in conversations a little more Uh, you can start conversations anyway in the group Um, so definitely check those out you can check us out at our website which is www.wheredarknessdwells.com and uh, we're on Twitter and the handle for that is at darkdweller74. And you can send us an email at dark, uh, sorry, darknessdwells74 at gmail.com. So definitely let us know what you think. Yes. And Merry Christmas, and, everyone. And have a, yes, have a, have a whole, whole horror-filled holiday. <laughs> <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Stay dark, <laughs> <our> stay <laughs> <our> stay <laughs> <our> stay <laughs>